Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ, and welcome to the audio ministry of Christ Church of Livingston County. The following are three excerpts from a Covenant Renewal worship service led by Pastor Dirk DeWinkle, teaching elder at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. Today is one of the two highest points in the church calendar, and arguably the highest. Today we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. We remember and honor it, the fact that Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead. The events which we celebrate during Holy Week, Palm Sunday, Christ's Passion, the Crucifixion, and Easter lie at the very core of our faith. Because if there were no cross, there would be no redemption from sin. And if there were no resurrection, Christ would have no victory over his enemies. But wondrously, God did nail Jesus to the cross, and gloriously, he raised Jesus from the dead three days later so that all men are called to come to him. As Jesus said in the book of John, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Accordingly, we celebrate our hope and our joy, and we rejoice in the promise of the gospel on this Easter Sunday. And we've been studying the nature of that gospel in the Sermon on the Mount. And if you'll recall, the context of the sermon is this. Jesus has then going around at the beginning of his ministry, spreading the gospel of the kingdom of heaven in Galilee. And he's been performing miracles, and he's been healing and teaching the people. And he's gathered a multitude of followers, and he's seated them on a mountain, and he's teaching them about what it looks like to be his disciple. And when he starts teaching about the gospel, he starts with grace. He started with the Beatitudes, eight pronouncements of blessing, describing the character traits of those who belonged in the kingdom of heaven, and many of these blessings seem contradictory. And he ended up with the most contradictory one of all, which we studied last week, that blessed are the persecuted. And Jesus answers the contradictions in the Beatitudes with some explanations. The first explanation is that theirs is the kingdom of heaven, that the, the, those who are persecuted, to them belongs the kingdom of heaven. And second, great is your reward in heaven because you are like the prophets. So the seeming contradictions in the Beatitudes flow from the fact that these blessings presume faith. Without the eyes of faith, we cannot make sense of the Beatitudes. Without believing the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, the Beatitudes make no sense. The poor, the mourners, the meek, and the hungry and thirsty for righteousness, the persecuted, they are blessed because they believe in the gospel that Jesus is preaching. And this is evident in the rewards promised to the blessed ones. The, the first reward is immediate, and that's that they, they are members in the kingdom of heaven. 
But that reward is not outwardly visible. To be a member in the kingdom of heaven is to be poor, a mourner, the meek, and the hungry and thirsty for righteousness, the persecuted. That's not outwardly visible. But the rest of the rewards are future. It's something that through the eyes of faith we look forward to the blessings. That they, they shall be comforted. They shall inherit the earth. They shall be filled. They shall obtain mercy. They shall see God. They shall be called sons of God. And they shall receive a reward in heaven. Now these rewards are received in faith. Trusting. The disciples believe in the kingdom of heaven. And the God who grants the blessings, uh, who grants that the blessings which Jesus cited, they believe in Jesus. And their actions flow out of that belief. And that's a long introduction to our text. Our text today is where Jesus teaches his disciples about how that kingdom of heaven works in the world. What, what does faith in the kingdom of heaven do? What does believing in Jesus do? And he tells them what it does by comparing his disciples to salt and to light. And from these two metaphors, we can extract a lot about what our purpose in the world is. And what are we supposed to do? What, what does God intend for his disciples to do in the world? And what, and, and what does he expect their effect to be on the world? So here we go. Let's start with salt. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Salt is what we are supposed to be. In the ancient world, they didn't have refrigeration, and the primary use of salt was for preservation and to flavor food. Um, and we still use it for flavoring our food, and it is still used for preservation. And pure salt cannot lose its flavor, but the salt that they had in the ancient world wasn't pure salt. There, there were impurities, impurities in it. And the, the amount of those impurities, the, the level of how corrupted the salt became, affected how effective it was for its purpose. But the point of the parable is that if the salt stops being salty, how do you resalt salt? You can't. Jesus, his point is that it's only good for throwing away. And the metaphor flows out of the Beatitudes. We can make sense of what he's talking about here because of under, we understand where he's coming from. Jesus just got done telling us what it looks like to live in the kingdom of heaven. And here he tells us that if we follow him, if we are salty, we will have a, a, an effect on the world. The assumption is Christian saltiness, preservation, and a good flavor, holiness. A Christian culture. And Jesus uh, makes the, uh, that social connection in a related passage. In verse Mark 9, verse 50, we read, Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. 
The salt of faith is its cultural effect on believers. And this saltiness is a counterculture to the world's way of doing things. It is a beati- it's a beatitude culture, a culture of humility and sacrifice and holiness and service and peace. And as long as we are living that way, living in the light of faith, according to the law that Jesus gives to us and the blessing that he proclaims, we are actively proclaiming the gospel and having that preservative effect on, on the culture around us. So what does that look like? How, how are we supposed to do that? In order to be salty, we need to hold strong to our convictions and beliefs. We need to believe the truth of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven and live according to the truth of the gospel. Maintaining the kingdom flavor and live like a Christian. The mere presence of a good man can restrain evil. Just openly declaring your allegiance to Christ and having that be known in the circles that you walk in has a preservative effect. But Jesus includes the negative warning here. He warns us not to lose our flavor in his kingdom. He's warning us that it is no good for us to be Christian in name only. If salt can lose its saltiness, and Jesus is telling us that we are salt, he's warning us to not fall to the temptations. To, fall, to not fall to the temptations that would limit our effect on, the, on our culture. There are three that I have here. The first is because nobody likes to be persecuted. Nobody wants to suffer. That's a temptation then for us to capitulate and to, to not be salty. To not be effective in our faith. The second temptation is because um, salt stinks. When uh, salt gets in a wound, it stings. Uh, uh, that, pres- that preservation, it, it's not something that when, when we bring righteousness into a, a, an unholy culture, it offends people. And we don't like to offend people. And the problem with us, if, if we capitulate to that, is that the gospel always offends sin. We cannot simply... Um, allow it to go by and turn the other way. The third temptation is that uh, we can lose our saltiness by failing to keep our own sins in check, by failing to, to confess them and repent to God. And thus we can be tainted by worldliness in our own lives. And when that happens, we lose our saltiness. So we can be cowards, or we can capitulate to social pressure, or we can be corrupted. But we are warned that if these things come to pass, we are no longer salty and not good for anything but to be tossed out and trampled by men. Next, Jesus tells us that we are light, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. What is the purpose of light? Light illuminates, it shines, and it reveals. In the darkness you are blind, you cannot see. But in the light you can be effective in your work and you can avoid all sorts of disasters. In this metaphor, Jesus is telling us that his disciples are light. In living by faith, they reveal truth, and, and it displays God's reality. How do they do that? They do that by, by doing what we just got done studying in the Beatitudes, and what we'll be coming to as we go on in the Sermon on the Mount. They live like Christians. The other thing Jesus is telling us here is that his intention is to plant his kingdom in plain sight. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Jesus has nothing to fear, and neither do his disciples. The hallmarks of the kingdom of heaven are good works. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This kind of light reveals the wickedness of the world by showing the contrast of, of wickedness and holiness. It also results in the glory of God our Father in heaven. So what are we supposed to do? Let our light shine before men. In Philippians 2, verses 14 to 16, Paul describes what that looks like nicely. He says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. In other words, we need to be holy and bold in following our Lord, because our witness and our good works are powerful and they glorify God. And now we come to Easter. Excuse me. Now we come to Easter. Easter is at the crux of the gospel. At Easter, God gave us Jesus Christ. He raised him from the dead. He validated the faith that his disciples had placed in him. God proved that the words of Jesus were true, that the blessings of the Beatitudes were true. Faith in Jesus Christ is worthwhile. Jesus comes proclaiming good news, and he proclaims good news to the entire world. And he comes preaching the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, and he says, Follow me. Follow me and have eternal life. He says, Submit to me. Humble yourselves to the word of God. And, and Jesus' gospel of the kingdom was no hoax. It wasn't a big... Uh, shenanigan or joke 
In the resurrection, God declared that Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth and that he will return to judge both the living and the dead. So because Jesus is Lord and because he is raised from the dead and because he is reigning at God's right hand now, we must be his witnesses. The point of, of salt and light is, is to spread the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, the gospel is the, pre preserva the preservative in the salt. It's, it's the good news that Jesus came and God so loved the world that he died for the world, to save the world. And the gospel is that Jesus will save all who believe in him. And he will judge. He will cast into hell all who reject and despise him. This is not a minor issue. This is not something that we can lose our saltiness on. And it's not a light that we can put under the bushel. Our duty as Christians is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Because that is what he came to do. And that is what our duty is to do as his body, as the church. As we go out and we proclaim the gospel. And we know that Jesus is Lord because of the resurrection. Because when the gospel is proclaimed, it's at the resurrection and at the cross that the division comes between the believer and the unbeliever. It's at the resurrection from the dead that the Greeks turn away from Paul's presentation of the gospel at Athens. And it's at the cross that the Jews reject the gospel from the apostles because it didn't fit with their view of how this salvation was supposed to come, of what the Christ was supposed to look like. But Jesus comes preaching the truth. And he comes preaching the truth, and the truth is that we, he has good news for the lost. He has good news for those who are suffering and those who who are overwhelmed is good news for those who are persecuted. And the good news is this, that God cares. He loves us. He, he comes to us. And Jesus shows us what it's like to be salt and to be light. So he, he tells his disciples that they are salt and they are light, but he shows us what that's supposed to look like. So wherever Jesus goes, you see what salt and light looks like. You see the gospel being proclaimed to the world so that men can see and cannot badmouth God. Remember what he, just, what he just said. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When Jesus was brought before the, the, the Sanhedrin, he asked them, for which of these good works do you accuse me? Our works need to be like Christ's. Unassailable. They, they must be glorious in the sense that they, they point to God. They glorify God the Father. 
Jesus reveals to men their need for God, and he reveals to men God's love for them. And he does this at the cross, but he also reveals to men God's power to save, and he does that at the resurrection. And in the resurrection, God made him Lord of heaven and earth, and he will come to judge both the living and the dead. And he will save all who believe in him. He will cast into hell all who reject and despise him. And that is not a minor issue. And this is eternal life or eternal damnation. And the message of the Bible is that you only have one, you, you have two choices. You can be either or, saved or not. And we know this because Jesus has revealed it to us. He is the light of the world and he has revealed it to us. God did not do this in a corner. He did not hide it under a bushel. And he planted his city firmly on top of the hill so that all men might see and believe that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the Son of God and that he forgives the sins of all those who turn to him in faith. And that faith is crucial. Without faith, this is not possible. Because without faith, we can't do it. We have to believe in Christ. We have to believe that God raised him from the dead. Because in faith, God gives us the world. And the effect of faith is overwhelming and inevitable. The faithful are salty. The faithful are lights. And that light and that salt is, is given from God by His Spirit through faith. And that faith has the promise of glory. As we read in our New Testament reading this morning, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Jesus promises reward to those who believe and walk with him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. This morning we celebrate Easter because Jesus rose from the dead almost 2,000 years ago, establishing his kingdom on the hill. Jesus is the light of the world, and he has filled the earth with light. His kingdom is redeeming the world, and his people preserve it and illuminate it. Here at the Lord's table, we remember God's mercy and grace, Jesus' sacrificial death, and the glorious resurrection. Here, God Almighty, the Creator, the three-personed God of heaven and earth, 
renews covenant with us and promises to be our God and to be with us and to strengthen us and to nourish us and to comfort us. He shows us his love and that he offers himself in bread and wine and he takes away our sins and he seals our pardon on us and he promises his spirit to us so that we might know his peace and be salt and light and glorify him and enjoy him forever. Christ's body broken for us. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to these excerpts from the worship service of Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in these messages, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact Pastor Dirk DeWinkle through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.